Forensics investigations after a network breach can be tedious, time-consuming, and complex. And when payment card data is exposed, the complexity of the investigation is even more intense, as organizations work to ensure they not only determine the source or sources of their breaches, but also ensure they inform all affected consumers and parties about the breach and the data that may have been exposed. Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group, and I'm here today with Aaron Neely-Cox, a forensics investigator with Strauss Friedberg a firm that consults businesses after a network breach and subsequent data leak. Aaron, your firm is one that comes in after a network attack or compromise to assist organizations such as banking institutions, retailers, healthcare providers, and payments processors. Your company actually worked on the Heartland payments breach and has been involved with cyber espionage investigations that have a global reach. Can you give us a little background about the work that you do and some of the investigations that you look into? Thank you, Tracy. So Strauss Friedberg, as you mentioned, is a global digital risk management and investigations firm. We specialize in data breach and cybercrime response. We also have security risk assessment and consulting division, digital forensics, e-discovery, as well as a business intelligence and investigations unit. What makes us unique, I think, is that we employ typically former military or former federal government technical forensic examiners in our labs across the world that bring to the table a deep knowledge of cyber security principles as well as an overlay of investigative knowledge. In addition to that, we have folks like myself who come typically from a background of legal training. I was a federal prosecutor for almost 10 years specializing in cybercrime and economic espionage cases. And we view the pairing of the technical personnel with the engagement manager as something that assists the enterprise in looking at the breach or whatever cybersecurity-related problem they're having in a holistic way, using it to approach the breach as an enterprise risk management technique. When we look at some of the post-breach investigations that you've been involved with, Erin, what is the process that you follow when you conduct some of these investigations? Well, initially, we're engaged by the entity. They've either suffered up what they have confirmed as a breach or they have some anomalous activity on their network that they would like for us to look into. We typically collaborate very heavily with their internal IT security resources. Our forensics personnel will go on site. They will start looking at what the internal team is looking at, and they'll bring to the table their knowledge of hacks that we've been responding to all across the world. And that supplements the internal IT security team and knowledge of their own network. So we'll begin looking at what the anomalous activity is. We'll start by trying to ascertain an attack vector or an exfiltration or infiltration point. And we'll, over a period of days and weeks, work very collaboratively with the IT security team in-house to understand whether the entity was breached, how it was breached, to contain and respond to the incident, as well as to implement a remediation plan. And Aaron, would you say that there is a differentiation in the investigations based on the type of attack or the type of industry that's targeted? Well, all investigations are trying to get at the root cause of the breach, as well as understanding how the breach can be contained, importantly, and what the entity can do to remediate and make itself more secure. But I do agree that the differing types of attack lead to different methodologies. For example, if you're looking at an industry that has PCI data, you're going to be more sensitive to the PCI DSS guidelines. You're going to be sensitive to concerns regarding payment card data. 
as opposed to looking at an industry that is targeted for perhaps more of an economic espionage situation where they would be employing more sophisticated malware or more sophisticated techniques that might attribute to a theft of IP or a theft of trade secrets. And I know this is a loaded question, but how long would you say, Aaron, does the average breach investigation take? There's really not a simple answer to that. We've worked breach investigations where we could understand very quickly the attack vector, perhaps patient zero, looked at the methodology of the attacker, and we could have a very good sense of what occurred within a week to two weeks' worth of time. We've also worked investigations that are much more sophisticated, that it takes months to understand entirely what was going on in the network, and that perhaps the attacker or adversary has been in the client network for months. So it really depends on what the attack methodology is, how long the attacker has gone undetected in the network, and how quickly we're brought on board to see how we can help the internal team. And then, Aaron, if you had to take a high-level view and look at many of these breaches or network attacks that you've investigated, what would you say is the most common vulnerability or investigation characteristic that crosses all of the sectors? It's generalizing, of course. But if I took a look at the data breaches that we've worked on in the most recent years, I'd say they fall into three different categories. Number one, the attackers are taking advantage of some type of web-based exploit. So they're looking at their external web-based servers, and they're seeing if any of the applications on those web-based servers can be exploited, or they're using uh, in a technique called a SQL injection to get into the network environment. Second way that we've seen attackers in recent years compromising networks is spear phishing, using targeted phishing attacks to essentially socially engineer people within the network to allow them access to their network. And finally, in the more sophisticated economic espionage cases, we oftentimes find zero-day malware that allows the attacker access before those applications can be patched. And Aaron, would you say that payment card data is the most often targeted information? I'm not sure that I would say most off-targeted information. We've certainly seen over the last five to seven years a lot of news regarding payment card being targeted. Oftentimes, payment card information is targeted by organized hacking rings or organized crime groups. But in the last few years, we've seen a large uptick in economic espionage cases as well. And we know, for instance, that there's also state-sponsored espionage cases that have been happening over the last decade. So... I'm not sure I could put numbers to it. I do think PCI data is a very profitable target for attackers because that data can be sold on the black market and converted. But we also see attacks on networks for personal identifying information, especially in the context of healthcare associations that deal with lots of patient information. HR data has always been a target, as well as targeting a company's IP or trade secrets. Would you say that these are on the same level as payment card data when it comes to breaches and the information that attackers are actually after? I think I would agree with that with respect to intellectual property. I think we're seeing more personally identifiable information being targeted simply because we're seeing a lot of healthcare records go online as well as achieving infiltration into HR records. I think the PCI information is more easily converted right now, but the PII information can certainly be converted for purposes of identity theft. And in terms of the intellectual property theft, 
I think those are more targeted attacks. I know we see those coming through state-sponsored attacks or just domestically infiltrated economic espionage cases. Now, as you noted earlier, Aaron, we have recently seen a number of breaches in the retail sector. Would you say the retail industry is the most vulnerable and or targeted when it comes to some of these attacks? Well, they have been vulnerable for a number of years, and they have been a target and will continue to be a target. We know, you know, 10 to 15 years ago, financial institutions were a big target for hackers, and they have been over the last decade really hardening the perimeter, taking up their IT security up a notch to defend themselves against what they knew to be attackers trying to get in their networks to take advantage of their financial information. The retail industry and the hospitality industry came on after that. And they have been for years a target of attackers because they are a robust repository of PCI data. I think they'll continue to be targets, but I have seen over the last probably five years, the retailers and the hospitality industry take a lot of steps in terms of IT security and IT resources that will help to secure their network. And then what seems to be the most typical type of network attack that's aimed at retailers and payments processors? In terms of retailers and payment processors, we do see web-based intrusions being predominant as well as spear phishing attacks. Now, Aaron, most recently we have heard more and more about malware attacks that are actually aimed at retailers targeting some of this payments data. Would you say that these attacks are actually more targeted and is the malware striking these companies in some way unique? We have seen a lot of malware in the environments that we've been in targeted specifically for payment card data. So we know that the attackers have a robust repository of malware that can scrape and scan and sniff for PCI data within an environment. Some of this malware is custom made, some of it is open source. There's a robust amount of malware out there that can address PCI data because we know it's being used by these organizations within these environments. So I do think that the malware is specific to the PCI data. It does do its job very well. Our role at Strauss Friedberg is take a look at the malware that we find in these environments. We reverse this malware, we deconstruct it, we understand its functionality, so that we can better investigate its impact on the environment. We also catalog this and can look for this kind of malware in other environments that we get retained in. And card brands do also alert entities about malware and malware that, that they've been seeing in investigations so that everybody can start to better protect themselves. And then what challenges would you say, Aaron, retailers as well as other organizations face when it comes to ensuring that they are complying with all of the necessary regulations and requirements, such as those that are outlined by the PCI data security standard after a breach? I think most organizations face the challenge of securing their networks. And securing any network is not a process of one particular product. It is a layered protocol. It's the addition of good products with good personnel and a very vigilant system of ensuring security. I think the vigilance is one of the most important parts. Sometimes in the area uh, that you mentioned, the PCI DSS guidelines, companies can too often place reliance on what we call QSA audit reports, giving them reports of compliance. They get a report of compliance from the PCI auditors that they're compliant with PCI DSS. And then they rely too heavily on that. It has to be a very vigilant marriage of product and personnel to keep any network secure. And what we know from various studies and reports is we've seen many, many breaches of PCI networks that occurred right after a finding of PCI compliance. 
So the fact that a company has a PCI compliant report of compliance does not mean that it's secure for all time. Companies have to be very vigilant about their networks, about securing their networks, and they have to utilize whatever resources they can to make sure that they know what's going on in their network at all times. And then what about after a breach going forward? What steps are organizations recommended to follow to ensure that they maintain compliance or maintain higher levels of security? Right. Well, after a breach, depending on what kind of breach it is, there's certain protocols to be followed. So with a PCI data breach, there are very strict guidelines in terms of what a company has to do. When they have to hire a forensic expert, when the reporting to the car brands have to occur. You'll find this in other areas of breach as well. Depending on the type of data that's been breached, there will be disclosure obligations associated with that breach. So if it's personally identifying information or PCI information, there are going to be disclosure obligations associated with that breach. First, understand the parameters of the breach and make sure the breach is contained and remediated. And second, take the knowledge from the in-depth understanding of the breach to make the required disclosures and to be able to better inform people about what happened. What you'll see oftentimes happening is companies, because it is a major PR event for them, want to talk about their breach before they have information. So information on day 10 regarding a breach is often different than information on day 40 regarding a breach. And our advice to the companies is to really allow their internal IT security team as well as their outside experts to understand really what happened with the breach to make sure the breach has been fully contained and responded to as well as remediated, and then work with the other enterprise risk stakeholders, such as in-house counsel, outside counsel, C-level executives, to figure out what their disclosure responsibilities are and the timing of that. That's a good point, Erin, because oftentimes new details can come to light even after an investigation is closed. Are there any reporting requirements that organizations have to be mindful of if they do learn more about a particular breach or attack after they've closed the investigation? Absolutely. I think a company should always be willing to audit and validate what their own internal IT security resources are telling them, which is why outside experts make sense. An IT security personnel's role should be to do what they think is the best for their company security and then to not be wary of having somebody come in to validate that. After all, the purpose is to make the company and the company's critical digital assets more secure. As you're determining what happened in a breach, you know, you need to be very diligent about being skeptical about first answers and first theories about what happened need to find corroborating evidence about what occurred so that you can properly remediate. You know, you don't want to not understand the parameters of a breach and not remediate an aspect of the breach that should have been remediated to prevent the next breach. It's likely if you're a target now, you're going to stay a target. And so you need to understand that everything needs to be working cohesively to better protect your network and utilizing all the resources that you can to do that. And then, Aaron, finally, before we close, what advice could you offer to someone who might be interested in entering the forensics profession today? The forensics profession is really interesting and uh, exciting profession to be involved in these days. Uh, what we look for at Strauss Friedberg is some credentials in terms of cyber credentials. So that's why we typically hire from the military or from law enforcement. And we also really like an investigative mind. You're not simply sort of checking the IT security box. You're investigating what happened in the breach. And in addition to that, we find that creativity and collaboration amongst our forensics personnel is really key 
to coming up with the answers to a lot of these complex cybersecurity problems. So I would advise anyone to really try and get the very best training that they can, make sure that they find avenues to gain the experience in the sectors that they want to gain the experience. If you would prefer to be more in digital forensic specialists, work in firms that will give you that kind of expertise. If you prefer to be working on data breach cases, make sure that you work for firms where you're going to have a lot of repetition, responding to incidents, looking at various networks, and understanding the adversary, what the hacker is doing and how they're doing it. Erin, thanks again for your time today. Thank you. Again, we've just heard from Erin Neely-Cox of Strauss-Friedberg. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.